thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. Good morning, everyone. It is so good to see you here in the room in House Owen. And for those of you watching online, you are really welcome as well. And a big shout out to those of you watching in Rowley, regathered there in that space. And also if you're in Clibbury later on today and you're watching or Bromsgrove or wherever you're watching from. In fact, if you are watching online, we'd love to know where you're watching from. So why don't you drop it in the chat? One of our guys would love to chat with you as you're watching and joining with us here uh, at Life Central Church. My name is Leon. I'm the lead pastor here. And we are in the second week of a series called Reset, okay? And I don't know whether you remember where you were when it happened. August the 31st, 1997. How many of you remember when Princess Diana died? I remember where I was because I was uh, asleep in bed because the night before I just got back from a mission trip to Bulgaria and my wife woke me up with the news. And, and I remember that on the Monday, so it was on the Sunday, so then I got up and you know, kind of got my head around it, went to church. Then on the Monday, I had a meeting with a, uh, a teacher in a local school. And as I turned up for the meeting, uh, the headmaster came out into the foyer and said, Leon, I'm glad you're here. All of the school are in the hall. We're all upset. We're all lighting candles. We want you to come in and tell them all why they're all so upset and what happened when you die would you do that now I was okay I'll go do that no pressure there but I don't know whether you remember that it was like such an iconic moment wasn't it It was almost like in that moment everyone remembers where they were and then a few years later you remember where you were when you saw this in fact I remember where I was I was sat I was in someone's uh, couple from the church um, in their house having a cup of tea not far from here just seeing them checking in uh, on them etc just having a chat with them and I remember someone contacting me and saying you need to switch the TV on 20 years ago yesterday um, many, many of you, maybe if you're watching or you're here in the room or you're online, maybe you're too young, but, but those of us that aren't too young, we remember where we were when this happened. It's almost like that instance 20 years ago when those planes flew into the Twin Towers in New York. It was almost like it defined something and almost like the world stopped. It's almost like it felt that hope had died when that happened. Fast forward 20 years and uh, there are some other iconic, if you like, pictures that, that are seared in our mind and in our memory when it comes to hope. And of course, there's this one, which we're still in, the whole COVID pandemic. How many of us have been through something like this? I want to suggest maybe none of us. And then, of course, just in these last few weeks, we've been watching Afghanistan and, and seeing the situations emerge there. And it's so like stirred up so many feelings and emotions within us. And then, and then, of course, natural disasters. You know, in 2021, we've had more natural disasters in the first six months of the year. I think than on record, there seems to be an increase. And of course, we understand that a lot of that is because our climate desperately needs a reset. Uh, and our world is so kind of, you know, shaken by all these things. And then in this last couple of years, more and more, we've been aware that there's still, we're still living in a racially divided world. In fact, I do love this picture here. If, you, if you're a football fan, you'll understand. This is from when England played Hungary a few, year, a few years, a few weeks ago. And actually, even now in 2021, the players were subject to racial taunts and we won 4-0. And I love that kind of uh, headline, hope for, hate, nil. You know, here's the reality. Hope is incredibly important, guys. And whether you're a person of faith or not, hope is incredibly important. You see, hope is like, it's like the fuel for the soul and the oxygen for the lungs. Hope is the energy that keeps us going when the gravity of reality wants to defeat us. 
I love what a guy called Robert Ingersoll said. Hope is the only bee that makes honey without flowers. I love that. It's almost like hope has that ability to, to create something positive when there's nothing almost there. But my actual favourite quote about hope is one that if you're British, you'll get. And speaking about British, we have a family in this morning that I just want to mention because several years ago, this family left us and went and moved to America. James and Callie Hamilton and Joey and Elijah are with us this morning. So if you know James and Callie, put your hands together and welcome them. And, and I know... James was actually on staff here with us for many years as our kids' pastor and great friends. And, and they've moved out and they're part of, he's on a team at a very big, significant church in California. Why on earth you'd want to leave Hal Zoen for California? I mean, what is going on? But you're still, they're still British and it was great meeting them last night and there's still a British accent, so they'll get it. And if you're British, you'll get it. I love, love, love this quote about hope. Here it is. Where there's tea, there's hope. Isn't that right? That's so English, isn't it? <laughs> But you know, hope is a little bit more serious than that. You see, we're talking about resetting our lives to what the Apostle Paul in the book of Corinthians says are the three things that will remain. These are the three mountaintops. If you're going to reset your life, you're going to base your life on these three things, faith, hope and love. And last week we looked at faith. This week we're going to look at hope. The next two to three weeks, we're going to look at love and expand that because Paul said that the greatest of these is love. But you know, faith is really connected to hope. In fact, in Hebrews 11 verse 1, it says this, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. And the word that's often used for the word hope in the New Testament is a Greek word called elpis. And if you look at the history of this word, in Greek mythology, elpis was the spirit of hope. And the mythology says that Pandora's box, that, that there were all these spirits, good and bad. And elpis, the spirit of hope, was the last one to leave the box. But actually, in the Bible understanding of hope, hope isn't wishful thinking. Hope isn't, I hope it happens. Hope isn't that. Hope is this, hope is a confident expectation in the goodness of God. And I know as I'm preparing this message, as I have been preparing it, as I'm delivering it now, I know there's many of you in the room and those watching online. And right now, it's hard for you to read or hear that. A confident expectation in the goodness of God. Because life isn't good for you right now. What you're going through isn't good what you're feeling and experiencing isn't good. So how can we have hope in the middle of what doesn't or isn't good? Well, you know, hope is connected to faith. And I want to say to any of you in the room and those watching, if you don't have faith in God yet, we would love you to explore that. Maybe you've got questions. Maybe even before we start thinking about how to keep hope alive, let me just introduce a thought to you. If there is hope and hope is connected to faith and hope and faith are connected to a person and his name is Jesus, maybe you've got questions about Jesus. That's absolutely great. We love it that this church is full of people who have questions about Jesus and are on that journey. And we run something here called the Alpha Course. And Alpha is all around the world. And, and right now we're running it online. Next year we're going to do it in person and online. But our next one it starts on Monday the 27th of September. That's the launch night for Alpha. Monday the 27th of September. We would love and I would love to give you an opportunity even right now to sign up for that. And I'll show you how you can do that in a moment. You know, our hope and our faith have got foundations. They're based on something. 
And in fact, early on in lockdown, just this thought just came to my head. There was, there's a lady that contacted us, not from this church, but, but she was watching us online and she'd been going to church for decades, decades. She was in her 80s and didn't realize the reality of the hope and the basis of the hope for her faith. And she came to that realization in lockdown through watching us online. And maybe that you, you've got questions about that. I would love you to join Alpha. People are already signing up for it. You can do it a couple of ways. You can go on our website uh, and you can, you can sign up for it there. Or if you've got a phone, mobile phone, you can text LCC Alpha and your name to 60777 and then you'll get a, a link back. So that's LCC Alpha and your name to 60777. But you know, we want to talk this morning about hope. Hope can be really hard, not only to find, but to keep alive. And so what I want to talk to you about today is three ways to keep hope alive. But before I kind of dive into that, I want to set a context for you. And we're going to look at a few verses in a book in the Old Testament, which is the first half of the Bible. And the book is called Lamentations. Woohoo! Okay, and uh, how many of you are excited about looking at the book of Lamentations, even the name of it? But I want to give you a bit of background and context. It's around 586 BC, and uh, Israel is besieged by... Uh, uh, enemies, they're about, the Babylonians are coming, they're about to plunder the temple, take away the bronze, the gold, the silver. They're going to take people away into captivity, only leave a remnant, a small few left. And a prophet, Jeremiah did not have a fun-filled ministry, okay? A lot of Jeremiah's life and leadership and was really, really difficult. And he, they think, most scholars think that Jeremiah wrote uh, Lamentations. There's some controversy about that, but I'm going to say that he did, okay, at the moment. Uh, that's where we're going to go. And he is looking at the scene of his world and he begins to write into this and he begins to write with a real sense of reality but also he discovers some hope. So let's look, it's Lamentations chapter three and verse 19. He says this, the thought of my awful suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. You see, he's looking at what's happening in his world, in his city, in his nation and he's realising that, that this is going to get worse, Okay. And then he says, I'll never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. And can I just pause and say, I know as a pastor and as a person that this has been an incredibly painful season for all of us. Maybe you haven't lost a person, but, but you've lost some stuff during this season. For some of you here in this room and watching online, you, you, you know, it's like the most awful time you can ever remember. And you identify immediately with what Jeremiah is saying. I'll never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. But then there's a turn. Look at this. Yet I still dare to hope. Isn't that a great phrase? Come on. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is His faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. Got to say, guys, it's some of the most beautiful lines in the whole of the Scripture. The reality of pain and grief and loss, he never denies or pretends or tries to cover over. He faces it and yet he finds hope. Incredible. And the key word in that scripture is actually the word remember. You see, remember is a covenant word. It means go over again and again and again. Call it to mind and keep remembering. Go over it again and again. You see, hope springs from truth rehearsed. Hope springs from truth rehearsed. You see, here's the reality, okay? Hope does not come from circumstances. Hope comes from what you know to be true despite circumstances. 
So those of you in the room or watching online, whenever or wherever you're watching it, and you think, well, my circumstances aren't hopeful. That's not what hope's about. Hope's not based in your circumstances. Hope's based is based in what is true despite your circumstances. And so I want to suggest to you that the way we reset our lives in the in series of hope, the way we bring hope into our lives and the way we keep it alive, we've got to be real about what's happening and really passionate about holding on to hope. I know lots of Christians who hold on to hope by denying what's happening, by trying to ignore what's happening, by trying to pretend that they're not sick when they are sick, by trying to, to say, oh, it's fine when it's not fine. But that's not the way we're going to keep hope alive. You see, what, what Jeremiah does is, is, is this is the worst thing that's ever happened in his life, but he faces it. And the Bible says he laments. And the word lament literally means he expresses grief and sorrow, sometimes even in a physical way, lament means. See, what Jeremiah does is he laments over grief and loss. So should we. But what Jeremiah does is he finds hope in the middle of grief and loss. So can we. And you know, last year, uh, a friend of ours, a guy called Phil Knox, who works for Evangelical Alliance, he just lives up the road, actually, and he's a passionate Villa fan, so he's all right. And he knows a lot about lamenting, all right, because he's a Villa fan, like I do. But he wrote a spoken word um, around the whole pandemic called Lament. And, and some of the language of this is going to take us back a little bit, okay? Uh, and we're moving forward. But I like it because it's real, it's true. And right at the end, he brings that scripture in again. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to take a little minute at the end of this just to pause and to stand with our world and with our nation. Because there's a lot to remember, isn't there? We remember those nearly 3,000 people who lost their lives in 911, 2000, and all of those subsequently. We remember the situation in Afghanistan, the natural disasters, those that have lost people through COVID. We're just going to take a moment to say, Jesus, Lord, in your mercy, would you remember them? This is called Lament. When rumours of a virus turn to evening government updates. When headlines move to daily news of fresh infection growth rates. When schools are closed and holidays postponed, everyone's asking, who's been furloughed? A slight change of plans, just wash your hands, it's like the flu, remember? Let's stay at home, do pee with Joe, it'll be over by September. How long, oh Lord? When streets resemble ghost towns at peak lockdown regulation, when we crave a crowd, cry out for connection from full-blown isolation. When millions search for online church with newfound innovation. Everything's online, but getting loo roll is a hassle. And trust in powers eroded by trips to Barnard Castle. It all ends in tears. There's no quick fix when you're a table of seven, but there's a rule of six. How long, oh Lord? When our dreams are dashed, ambitions strangled, Christmas plans destroyed, and a righteous anger rises at the murder of George Floyd. And when families are asked to grieve behind masks at graves of precious loved ones past, life is in limbo, we're stuck in between. Herd immunity or miracle vaccine, 2020 shortchanged by COVID-19, and children can't get the food that they need. How long, oh Lord? With ever-growing numbers of the daily deaths presented, 
when this is the new normal, when what life was like lamented, and will people stop using the word unprecedented? We are zoomed out, homeschooled out, restrictions extended, and those we love die unattended. How long, oh Lord? I've been deprived of peace. I've forgotten what prosperity is. So I say my splendor is gone and all that I'd hoped for from the Lord and my soul is downcast within me. And yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I know we don't normally do this here, but let's just take a moment and maybe when you're watching, wherever you're watching from, here in the room, Guys at Raoul, let's just take a moment. Just remember and stand with those who, who have lost so much. Maybe you have. Lord, we, we remember today and Lord, we... We say, God, would you in your grace and in your mercy comfort those who need it the most today? Whether that's in our own little circle of life or whether it's on the global scale, Lord, we recognise that as a community, as a community of humanity, this has been maybe the most tumultuous couple of years that many of us have ever known. And Lord, we ask you, in your mercy, in your mercy, would you remember us? And God, would you shower us with comfort and strength and with peace. And maybe even here in this room or someone watching, maybe in their own lives, may they in the middle of grief and loss, may they know that there is still hope. In Jesus' name, amen. How do we keep hope alive? Let me just give you three ideas today and hopefully as we then worship and respond at the end, uh, this is something that you can go away with. The first one is this. Remember that hope is sustained by story and song. As, as many of you know, I was on kind of sabbatical for July and August and read loads of books. And I read three books. I read lots more than that, but I read three that I didn't think were connected, but they really were. And they were all, um, uh, one was written by a, a West Indian cricketer uh, one was written by one of the most famous African-American preachers on the planet, T.D. Jakes. And one was written by Bishop Michael Curry, who officiated at the wedding of Harry and Meghan. And so they all seemed disparate books, but all of them spoke about the story and the struggle of what it means to be black. And of their history and of BAME issues, et cetera, et cetera. And as you know, that's come really through the fore in this couple of months. And, and I'm kind of as white as they come. So I, don't, I wanted to learn, I wanted to listen, and I wanted to learn. And I have to tell you guys, my mind and my heart has been totally rocked. And I've only got a few minutes to speak today, so I'm gonna to need to be really careful because there's so much I wanna say. But as I read these books, and as I listened and hopefully tried to learn the story of communities and what it's like to grow in a community where actually, 
you know, and, and they talk about privilege. And, you know, you're privileged if you don't have to put up with racism every single day of your life. So I know that I'm privileged. But when I looked at some of this stuff, I was absolutely blown away. You see, we think slavery was caused by racism, but actually, slavery wasn't caused by racism. Slavery is a symptom of racism. And what many of us didn't know is that actually race, uh, slavery was abolished in like 1833 officially in, in Britain, but, but reparations were made. In other words, money was paid to the slave owners who'd lost their, their, their kind of product, which was human beings. And the British alone, and I'm British and kind of proud to be British sometimes, but not when I read things like this. It was 300 billion pounds worth in, in our money now that was paid back. And most of us don't know, the money has only just stopped being paid back in 2015. And what many of us don't realise is that, you know, the average family in the US, the average, black, the average white family is 10 times, got 10 times more net worth than the average black family. Why is it that the colour of your skin will impact on your educational achievement, on your ability to stay out of prison and all these things? It's just crazy. Why is it that when, 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 a, when, when a black footballer in our country buys his mum a house, he's a show-off, but when a white footballer buys his mum a house, he's a good son? Why is it? And, and if you're bristling at that, and if you're reacting to that, I want to suggest that's because we don't kind of understand what it's like for other people. But you know, as I read all of this stuff, you know, why is Jesus always portrayed as white when he clearly wasn't? Why do we still keep saying that Columbus in, uh, discovered America when he clearly didn't? Because there were hundreds of thousands of people who've been there for hundreds and thousands of years. He might have discovered it for the Europeans, but he didn't discover it. It was already there and there were people already there. Why is it that in Australia, it took till 1967 before indigenous Australians were declared human beings? Prior to 1967, they weren't listed on any census as human beings. And you see, you and I, who maybe have never lived it, it, with the reality of this, don't understand what it's like to live and to be in this kind of background. But here's the thing. As I read these different books, as they talked about history, they talked about their experience. Do you know what came over the, out of the page all the time, all the time, all the time? Hope. Hope. And hope emerges out of these kind of communities and it's best expressed and sustained and kept alive by story and by song. And I've been blown away at the power of this. Usain Bolt, who's, who you know Usain Bolt is one of the fastest man on the planet. I want to keep preaching love and hope that we can see something change. And these two amazing, amazing ladies, uh, black poets, um, Maya Angelou and Amanda Gorman, both spoke at the inauguration of President. So Amanda Gorman in 2021, listen to some of the words she said, in this truth, in this faith we trust. For while we have our eyes on the future, history has its eyes on us. This is the era of just redemption we feared at its inception. We did not feel prepared to be heirs of such a terrifying hour, but within it, we found the power to author a new chapter to offer hope and laughter to our so while once we asked, how could we possibly prevail over catastrophe? Now we assert, how could catastrophe possibly prevail over us? These are words of hope that something could change. Maya Angelou, this isn't what she said at the inauguration, but this is one of, the, one, of the, one of her writings which just blows me away. And it's this, still I rise. And you've got to listen out of the background, out of the history, out of the story, the power of hope emerges. She says this, out of the huts of history's shame, I rise. Up from a past that's rooted in pain, I rise. I'm a black ocean leaping and wide, welling and swelling, I bear in the tide. Leaving behind nights of terror and fear, I rise. In 
into a daybreak that's wondrously clear, I rise, bringing the gifts that my ancestors gave. I am the dream and the hope of the slave. I rise, I rise, I rise. Guys, I want to say that because I'm so excited that, that the culture of our church, the, the diversity of our church is changing. And if you're here and you're not white like me, we love you. And we are so grateful that you're here and part of this church. And we mess up towards you. We say things that are, 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 we, listen, when we do that, we apologize. That is not our intent. That is not our intent. But we are passionate about wanting to see a multi-generational, multicultural expression of humanity with Jesus in the center who breaks every barrier, doesn't he? Of race and gender and color and all of that. And we need hope and hope is sustained through story and song. Hope springs from truth rehearsed. The word remember, we remember. That's why the, the, these kind of co- the communities that I've been talking about, they've got such a lot of hope because they go over and over and over the stories and the songs and it sustains the hope. In fact, Michael Curry in his book, he says stories are the song of the soul sung in the language of life. I love that. Stories of the song of the soul sung in the language of life. And you know when, when the um, uh, um, uh, Jews that uh, Jeremiah was, was with at the time, when, when they were taken into captivity, the Bible says they, they stopped singing and they hung their instruments on the harps. It says in Psalm 137, Oh, how could we ever sing God's song in this wasteland? If I ever forget you, Jerusalem, let my fingers wither and fall off like leaves. Let my tongue swell and turn black if I fail to remember you. If I fail, oh dear Jerusalem, Jerusalem to honour you as my greatest. And it's like, like, like they stop singing. And when you stop singing, you lose your hope. When you top, stop telling the stories and when you stop singing the songs, you lose your hope. That's why the Bible time and time again says, go over the stories, remember what God has done. Because when you're in a difficult situation and the circumstances suck, you need to remind yourself that hope is not found in circumstances. Hope is found in the truth despite the circumstances. Guys, that's why singing together is so important. How many of you enjoyed singing together in these last couple of weeks? You know, and taking the mask off and hearing each other. And you know what? When we sing, it doesn't mean that life is great. And it doesn't mean that you feel great. And I know that there are some of you here in this room and singing the songs at the moment is incredibly hard. And I think of, of she won't mind me mentioning it, Vicky, one of our worship leaders and lost her sister a few years ago and, and having to try and sing songs. And it's really hard, really hard. And some of you singing songs. I remember um, someone in our church who lost their daughter at the age of seven and, and saying, I come to church, but I can't sing. And all I can do is stand in the way of God. I can't sing, but I stand in the way of God. And eventually she could sing. But here's the power. When we sing, we remind ourselves who God is, even when life is not. And we remind ourselves what God can do, even when life looks like it can't. And so what we do is we speak to that hope and we encourage that hope. And so I want to ask you, what stories are you telling yourself right now? And what songs are you singing? Because hope is, is sustained by story and by song. Number two. Number two, remember, hope is willing to wait. I'm not, <laughs> but hope is. And if we, want to, if we want to keep hope alive, we've got to remember perspective is so key. I love these words. I've read them so many times the last couple of years from 2 Corinthians 4. This is from the Passion Translation. Perspective, um, it says, Paul says this, We view our slight, short-lived troubles in the light of eternity. 
We see our difficulties as the substance that produces for us an eternal weighty glory far beyond all comparison. Because we don't focus our attention on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but the unseen realm is eternal. And so when you're in a situation, guys, and many of you might be right now, where it doesn't look great, maybe you've lost something or someone. Maybe you're in the middle of pain. I, I don't know what it is. And it doesn't feel to you like you can know hope. You can. But we have to remember hope is willing to wait. You know the Cape of Good Hope is that bit um, in South Africa where when the ships were sailing south, it's when they start to turn eastward. And the Cape of Good Hope used to be called the Cape of Storms. And it was called the Cape of Storms because all the sailors just like hit storms. But eventually it would change, the name was changed from the Cape of Good Storms to the Cape of Good Hope because eventually sailors worked out how to get through it. Isn't that powerful? And hope isn't about the absence of storms. It's about knowing that you will get through it. Eventually, you'll come through it. That's about perspective. So what are you going through right now? And can I just say, for those of you who know God, this world is as bad as it gets. It will only get better. For those of you who don't know God, this world is as good as it gets. Which is why it's so important that this side of eternity, we make sure we're connected to God. Because if you know God, guys, this world is as good as it gets. It's only getting better. But if you don't know God, this world is as good as it gets. Now, if you do know him, sorry, this world is as bad as it gets. We're only getting better in the future. But if you don't know God, this is it. This is it. And there's no sense beyond that. So what are you going through right now? Do you need a shift of perspective? And number three, remember hope is hard to find alone. Hope is hard to find. You know, there's a guy in the Bible, it's one of my favourite stories. We've talked about it quite a lot, I think, over this last couple of years. And then he's a guy called Elijah and he finds himself really where he's lost hope. And he's lost hope so much that he, he ends up saying to the guy he's travelling with, hey, you wait, I'm heading into the desert on my own. And he goes into the desert and he sits down under a tree and he says these words, I've had enough, I want to die. And unfortunately, we know the reality now, don't we? That mental health is a huge issue facing our planet. In fact, depression is now the biggest single killer on the planet overtaking cancer. And here's the reality. In 2017, at a United Nations World Health Day, there was a statement which suggested depression is less about chemical imbalances, but more about imbalances in the way that we live our lives. A, guy, a psychologist called Stephen Ilardi wrote, we were never designed for the sedentary, socially isolated, sleep-deprived, poorly nourished, indoor, frenetic pace of modern life. And we're realising, aren't we, that, that all is not well. But when you go back to the story of Elijah, you see this guy that ends up in a cave, and he ends up in a cave all on his own. And here's what mental health often does to all of us, and what tough times do for us. They cause us to retreat from relationships, so we end up in a cave all on our own. And when you end up in a cave all on your own, that cave becomes an echo chamber and the only words you hear are your words. And what happens then is that you lose hope. Why? Because you accept your feelings as facts. You're harder on yourself than you ought to be. You exaggerate the negative and you lose perspective. You know, the first problem mentioned in the Bible was not sin, but isolation. Because God created Adam and then he says, you know what? It's not good for man to be alone. Even before sin, there was isolation. No, no, so I'm going to create someone else. Because hope is hard to find alone. 
Guys, I want to say in this season, as we move into reset, I know, okay, I was at a barbecue last night, we were chatting to some people saying, this feels a bit weird. There's like, like people all around, you know, and I know that for many of us, and maybe some of you watching, the thought of being around people is still challenging because of COVID. I get that. But it's not just COVID that we've got to fight. It's the fact that maybe we've been reset in ways socially. And I want to say, if you're going to be healthy, and if you're going to have a faith and a hope that is going to be a reservoir of resilience, you're not going to find it on your own. Guys, we need each other. We all need people that we can be real with, that we can laugh with and cry with and can partner with us and pray for us and sharpen us and encourage us. And in your connect group, some of those people in your connect group, and I won't look over here because some of my connect group are here, they do your head in. But do you know what? I won't look. They're God's gift to you. I'm not going to look. They are God's gift to you because actually in that space, in that space, you grow and you develop. And God says, smiles. He got smiles when he sees that, you know what I mean? And he says, you're tempted just to back out. But if you'll stay in there and open your life up enough, you'll find gifts of treasure and beauty that I have for you. And you know, I, I love this. And and here's the interesting thing. After the cave experience, we never read of Elijah ever being alone again. He's always with Elisha. We were never. And so I've got a piece of wisdom for you, all right? And you want to write this down. It is so profound and deep. I mean, this church is so profound and deep. This has been proved by research, both spiritual, psychological, medical, and everything. You want to write this down. Here it is. It's healthier to eat donuts with good friends than broccoli on your own. There you go. It's not often I get a clap in a sermon, but I got one for donuts. But the, the truth is, it's like we all, we're all health crazy. And I get that. But relational health, guys, is so, so important. And I can say absolutely hand on my heart, it's been other people have helped me find hope. It's been other people, and I, and I am heartbroken. When people come to a point where they think there's nobody that can help them, and they think that there's only one way out, and I want to say to you, if you're watching now or later, and you're that person, please ask for help. We might not have any words, but we can be there in your cave with you. Amen. There's a season to be in a cave on your own, that's right, but a season is a season that ain't your life. We're not meant to be living in those caves. I want to just talk to you as I come to land about this guy here, Viktor Frankl. Viktor Frankl, if you know the story, was um, an Austrian uh, Jew. And uh, in his mid-30s, was married. And then the Second World War break out, broke out. And he was a very, very bright guy. And uh, he was sent to a concentration camp. And his wife was forced to abort the baby. And then they were split up. And later he hears that his wife his mother, his brother, his brother's wife were all killed. But, but, but he looks at prisoners and he looks at the whole issue of hope and he made it his life work to study hope. And, uh, and in 1946, uh, he wrote his first book on psychology of prisoners in war camp in 1948, was a PhD in philosophy. He married again and he had a daughter and he's made it his life's work to help people find and sustain hope. And there were three big ideas out of his writings and they were this. Everyone needs to do some kind of meaningful work. And he talks a lot about the fact that, you know, we, we have means to live by, but nothing to live for. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, like we have stuff, but 
but, but we're not living for anything. And it's so important that we do some meaningful work. And then the second big idea was everyone needs a community of friends. Because it's not good to be alone, God says. That's not how we're wired. And then thirdly, everyone needs to take whatever suffering they experience and find something positive from it. And I want to suggest to you guys to take a picture of that because that's so important, isn't it? You know, so, so, so what about meaningful work? What about that community of friends? What about the circumstances, experience I'm going through? Can I take something positive from it? Because by then, I'm going to sustain and you, God, are going to help me sustain hope. So what about you? As we come into land, what about you? Where are you at when it comes to hope right now? Where are you at when it comes to sustaining hope? When it comes to, to, to that keeping hope alive? When it comes to being fueled by hope? Because as I read the stories of these communities that are so inspiring to me, and I've got many friends from these communities who are sick to the death and sick to the spirit are still having to battle the racism that they're having to battle and they've had to battle as a people for centuries. And we're all fed up of it. But the hope that is sustained is powerful. It's powerful. So... So, maybe for you, it's story and song. Maybe for you, you've stopped singing the songs. Maybe for you, you've stopped telling the stories, reminds them. Maybe for you, actually, a way of keeping hope alive is rehearsing the truth, because hope springs from truth rehearsed. Or, or maybe for you, it's just a shift of perspective. And, and remember, the hope is willing to wait, and the cape of storms can become the cape of good hope, because I'm going to get through it. Or maybe for you, it's to remember the hope is hard to find alone. And maybe you've backed away from relationships, but actually now is the season for a reset. Now is the season for a reset. I wanna pray. Let's pray together. I just wonder here in the room, maybe online as well. Maybe you're online and you're watching right now and you'd love someone to pray for you. I'm gonna ask our guys just to pop the prayer response in the chat and someone would love to pray for you. You can fill that in right now. We will pray for you. And we do pray for you by name, every single one of you. That puts a request in. But maybe there's some people in the room and you know that you're in danger of losing hope. And so if that's you, I wanna ask you to stand right now, okay? The camera's not coming on you. This is just between you and God but you know that you're in danger of losing hope. I want you just to be bold enough and brave enough just to stand right where you are. And I want to pray for you. Thank you so much. Is there anyone else in the room? And you just say, God, I just need your help just to stand with me. It takes bravery and courage to do that. But I believe God meets us in that moment. God, I want to pray for all these folks standing right now. God, would you bring them hope, sustain their hope. May they know that hope isn't the circumstances. It's the truth that exists besides the circumstances. And God, would they know your presence, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we all stand? Can we all stand? And I want to invite us to worship Jesus together. You know, we, um, when I was a kid growing up, we used to sing choruses. Does anyone remember a chorus? Don't do choruses now. In fact, they're called tags now because that's cooler. All right, but I remember as a kid, we used to sing, we used to sing this one called The Steadfast Love of the Lord Never Ceases. And I remember that. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning, new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. It's really short, but sometimes when we sing the same kind of lines of truth over and over again, that's where hope springs from. Hope springs from truth rehearsed. But we're going to sing a song that we've been learning the last couple of years called The Goodness of God. 
And when you put those two thoughts together, the faithfulness of God that's new every morning, it is about the goodness of God. Hope is a confident expectation in the goodness of God. And listen, some of you will find it hard to sing it because of your circumstances. If you do, that's not fake, that's faith. Because it's true whether you feel it or not. That's how you sustain hope. Let's worship.